Bruce Nolan is standing by. Hey, wacky Bruce. Coming to you from an undisclosed location, this is the Bruce Exclusive. And here's your host, Bruce Nolan. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to another edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. So today's show is going to be a little bit weird. And it's going to be a little bit weird because we're going to bounce between a ton of different topics that are basically not connected at all, aside from Eh, they're things that happen to be on the brain. They're things that are sort of going on in the world of the Buffalo Bills and NFL football. And we're going to do them in sort of a rapid fire sort of mindset. We're going to bounce and bounce and bounce. And I've called today's episode the scuffle shuffle, not to be confused with the truffle shuffle from the Goonies. Because one of the things we're going to talk about today is the fight heard around the NFL world between Josh Allen and defensive tackle Jordan Phillips at Bill's training camp. But before we do that, we're going to start off the episode by just taking stock in the Buffalo Bills current injury situation, because it feels like some things are starting to pop up and I want to make sure we all know where each other stands. Now, this is important because Matt Warren, editor-in-chief of Buffalo Rumblings, put an article out on buffalorumblings.com to go over this information. I'm going to go through a little of that information here on the pod. So first off, Tredavious White remains on the pup list. They estimate that he'll be able to return early in the regular season, but we don't know anything aside from Sean McDermott just saying he's making progress. Ike Butker towards Achilles last year and is very, very surely going to stay on the pup at the beginning of the regular season. Eli Anko is also on the pup list, and he had some off-season surgery. So that's our pup status. Now, Roger Saffold, guard, the free agent signing that was brought in to replace Darrell Williams, remains on the non-football injury list. He was in a car accident. He suffered cracked ribs during that. We don't know when he'll be back, but in the meantime, multiple different rotations at guard in his absence. All-pro safety Jordan Poyer. Hyper extended his elbow in practice out a few weeks, should be back by the start of the regular season. Micah Hyde, he fell really hard on a hip and he was in pads, but not doing full work. He's likely to be a full participant soon. Jamison Crowder, he was participating on opening day and then missed about a week with quote unquote general soreness, general soreness. He was back fully on Tuesday. Jake Kumaro also got the soreness label and returned on Tuesday. Marquez Stevenson left Tuesday's practice with a foot injury does not appear to be serious, but we are waiting on more information for that. Spencer Brown has been limited so far during training camp because he's been dealing with an offseason injury. Ryan Bates, again, soreness has missed five different practices. Tommy Doyle left practice earlier this week, but was full go on Tuesday. Greg Mance sat out Tuesday. So multiple injuries to deal with on the offensive line. On the defensive line, 
Tim Settle had a sore groin. And with most muscle injuries, the Bills are a little bit conservative. Those things have a tendency to linger. Groins, hamstrings, quads, these things can linger if you don't take care of them. So they are being a little conservative with that. Brandon Bryant was also out on Tuesday. He's a defensive tackle as well. So as Matt pointed out in the article, that's a long list. But it's important to know currently where we stand as far as injuries for the Buffalo Bills during training camp. But wanted to start off by recapping those things. Now, I want to talk about the fight. Because it made a little buzz around the NFL world. And the reason it got a little buzz around the NFL world is because it was Josh Allen. That's the reason why I got a little buzz. A reporter for another team actually said, oh, look, the bills are imploding. Was not kidding. Meant it seriously. I am here to tell you that training camp fights do not matter. At all. They don't matter. The fact that there was a fight is not relevant. If you want to call it something else, you can. A scuffle, a kerfuffle, a misunderstanding, some robust dialogue. However you want to word it, it doesn't matter. Why they got into a fight might matter, but most of the time the why is nothing other than men who smash into each other for a living getting frustrated and hot. That's 99.9% of all training camp fights. They don't matter for that reason. So again, the what doesn't matter at all. The why, 99.9% of the time isn't going to matter because it's only certain situations where even the why would matter. Look around the NFL. The Niners, multiple fights. The Browns, multiple fights. Trevor Penning, the offensive tackle for the Saints. Everyone thought that he was getting into fights at the Senior Bowl, right? Being extra aggressive to try and prove he belongs. Dude got drafted in the first round. Got a first round paycheck and is still doing it. You know why? Because that's who Trevor Penning is. So that's the why behind Trevor Penning getting into fights at Saints camp. The why is because that's who Trevor Penning is. With the Niners fights, Fred Warner, the linebacker who was involved, said specifically that he targeted Brandon Ayuk to irritate him and push him to a new level. So apparently we have motivational tactics going on as the reason for that why. But none of these things are reasons to be concerned. The Saints know as well as anybody about this. C.J. Gardner-Johnson is one of the most significant instigators in the NFL today. No problems. You know why? Because he gets other people to punch him. He's so annoying, he gets other people to punch him and then they get ejected. That's just the way it works. So no, it doesn't matter. And people who try to pretend that it matters are trying to create a story out of nothing. The only way that you can make something like this in training camp actually matter is if you can get to the bottom from an investigative journalist standpoint as to why the fight happened and the why ends up being serious. But people who see it on Twitter, they see a clip and then they post and say the bills are imploding or something like that. Those people aren't those people. They are not the people who would be exposing the why that could potentially undermine the Buffalo Bills season. They're usually people who have rooting interests against the Buffalo Bills. Fights happen all over the NFL. Again, a reminder, follow 32 Beat Writers on Twitter. That's the account, 32 Beat Writers. They will help make sure that they retweet the appropriate things to know that you are all set up 
and ready to go as far as following the rest of the NFL. And with that perspective, you will get wisdom because you will know that the things that are happening to your team are happening to every team. And the questions that are going on with your training camp are going on with everybody's training camp. And that includes things like fights. We are going to take a quick break. We're going to be right back. Stick with me. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you for joining me for this edition of the Bruce Exclusive, a Buffalo Rumblings podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Nolan. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Bruce Exclusive. Welcome back. You may have been wondering why I sound a little bit different today. There's a reason I sound a little bit different. I actually have an issue with uh, ulcer in my mouth, a canker sore. It is making it very difficult for me to speak. And so I have to kind of try and enunciate my words without contorting my mouth in a particular way that will hurt it. So that, my friend, is why I sound a little different today. So we talked about injuries and where the bills are with injuries. We talked about training camp fights and how they they really don't matter. You know, I wanted to talk about things we're not talking about, which is weird. Because you spend most of your time talking about observations when it comes to training camp. You talk about things that other people saw or things that you saw, whether that's good or whether that's bad. But I want to point out some of the things that we're not talking about, specifically some of the players that we're not talking about. Names that I basically haven't heard at all during Buffalo Bills training camp. Three of them specifically. Dawson Knox, Matt Milano, Zach Moss. Now, as you may remember from listening to this podcast once or twice, the what doesn't matter, the why does. So why haven't we heard about Dawson Knox? Why haven't we heard about Matt Milano? Why haven't we heard about Zach Moss? Well, a couple things. Number one, the first thing that's most important about training camp observations is they have a tendency to be orbital in importance. What I mean by that is if you have an offense and a defense and you were to draw a big circle around the entire play, the closer you are to that circle, the more likely you are to get noticed. And what I mean by that is wide receivers, quarterbacks, cornerbacks, safeties. These are the people who have a tendency to show up more when you're in training camp because there's not a lot of full contact Goal line, 11 on 11, pound the ball in between the tackles sort of stuff going on. You can see linebackers in coverage a little bit more. But remember, half of what linebackers do is playing forward. So there is not really the opportunity to hear from linebackers and running backs as often in training camp. In fact, I would make an argument if you hear really, really good things about a running back in mini camp or in training camp, you can pretty much just discard it if it's the very, very beginning of training camp. Because it doesn't matter. I mean, how many situations have we seen where a skill position player will show out during mini camp and OTAs and then when pads start to come on later in training camp and the preseason games start coming where obviously it's full contact, all of a sudden they disappear. It's because... Our observations aren't orbital. By very definition, they're orbital. Passing the ball, rushing the passer, defending the pass, 
These are the things that you have a tendency to see. So yeah, you're going to see Von Miller blowing by Deion Dawkins, but you're not going to see him setting the edge versus a run. You're not going to see him crashing down inside and making the play in the backfield. Why? Because those aren't real situations that occur as frequently in training camp. So when we start to think about players who have been quiet, and maybe you start to think about, oh gosh, I haven't heard about this player. The first one, as far as considerations, is maybe it's because the vast majority of the things that they do don't show up in training camp. And that's the way it is with Matt Milano. That's the way it is with Zach Moss. Zach Moss is the best pass protecting running back on this team. So yeah, you're going to see it in drills. Sal Capaccio, WGR 550, at Sal Sports on Twitter, pointed out that Zach Moss did really well in pass protection drills one-on-one. Yep. But that's the only time you're really going to see that skill. Pass protecting drills one-on-one. But most of the observations you see written are about 11 and 11 and seven on seven. And in situations like that, you might see the phrase would be sack pop up. That's one of my favorite training camp terms would be sack. But the observations are by definition, a little bit more orbital. So that's the reason why Matt Milano and Zach Moss are there. But let's talk about Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox had his big breakout year last year. But when it comes to big breakout year, Dawson Knox really had his biggest breakout when it comes to touchdowns. Dawson Knox was 19th in the NFL in catches by a tight end. He was 15th in the NFL in yards by tight ends. So the the touchdown thing was really the big part of his breakout. And touchdowns have a tendency to be a little variance. I got a little variance thrown in there from year to year. So Dawson Knox's big breakout situation still landed him right in the middle when it comes to tight end production in the NFL in 2021. So I still think there's room for Dawson Knox to grow. So yeah, I've been paying attention and I haven't been hearing a lot about Dawson Knox. So of the three people that I mentioned, Dawson Knox, Matt Milano, Zach Moss, two of them, I acknowledge those things as data points. I acknowledge that we haven't heard a lot about them, but it doesn't really faze me all that much. And then with the Dawson Knox, I'm just keeping my eye on it. I'm just putting a pin in it for later because I don't have the immediate dismissal that I have with Matt Milano and Zach Moss, but I also am not like pumping the panic button. We're in training camp for goodness sake. It's just something I'm keeping an eye on. So Dawson Knox is my number one player I'm watching for this preseason when he has a chance to play. So when you ask me, who's my number one player to watch, it's Dawson Knox for the reason I just said, because I haven't heard a lot about him, but I don't have the immediate dismissal that comes from the other positions. Because Dawson Knox goes through a lot of routes that he runs. So maybe we should be hearing more about Dawson Knox. Maybe it has nothing to do with anything. I'm not saying that there's anything to be hitting the panic button about with Dawson Knox. I'm saying that of the three people that I just mentioned that I haven't heard much about, he's the only one who doesn't have an immediate dismissal for the reason why you haven't heard a lot about him. So I'll be keeping my eye on Dawson Knox. Now, we talked last week, pivoting again to a different topic, about Isaiah McKenzie 
and whether or not we could make a judgment on Isaiah McKenzie being a meaningful part of the offense for the Buffalo Bills in 2022 when Jamison Crowder got back. Jamison Crowder's not all the way back yet, but we still have an update. Well, Bruce, how could that be? Sean McDermott said, quote, potentially stepping into a full-time role, end quote, when he was talking about McKenzie. When it comes to McKenzie, potentially stepping into a full-time role. When I saw that tweet come across my timeline, I quote tweeted and put the, all the sirens, just siren, 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 siren. Because I mentioned a while ago that one of the things you're looking for in training camp press conferences is things outside the ordinary. Because the overwhelming majority of everything that Sean McDermott says is going to be coach speak, and it means nothing. It's just talking in circles. But this quote, this quote doesn't mean nothing. I understand that's a double negative, but it means something. Unlike the rest of his stuff, this does not mean nothing. It means that I'm ready to start thinking about it. It's been a week. And I know we said we were going to wait until we had significant sample size of Jamison Crowder gotten back. But you have to be adjustable. You have to be able to adjust to new data and new information. And that is a strong statement from Sean McDermott. So yes, Isaiah McKenzie, driver's seat for the slot role for the Buffalo Bills. If you're a Jamison Crowder fantasy owner, I'm sorry. But it's looking more and more likely that he'll at least get the crack at it. And he'll have to actively lose it rather than actively win it. Because that does change the formula. The idea that you have to actively win a job implies someone else has it. Or it's at least a 50-50 competition. In this case, it looks like Isaiah McKenzie would have to lose it. Which means it's not a 50-50 competition. It's 70-30, 80-20, 65-35. So absolutely, absolutely, I am ready in a different way than I was ready last week when we recorded this podcast to say Isaiah McKenzie leg up slot receiver job. Something Brandon Bean said absolutely triggered my bells and whistles to go off. And that was that they're grooming Terrell Bernard to play both Will and Mike. When the Bills drafted Terrell Bernard, one of the things I said was, it's weird because drafting a linebacker would be okay, you would think, if Tremaine Edmonds is someone who we're looking to replace when he walks after the end of this year. But Terrell Bernard didn't seem like the kind of player that you would think would replace Tremaine Edmonds. They're very different players. They do different things. But Brandon Bean saying that they're cross-training him to play Mike, that raises the eyebrow just a little bit. That if Tremaine Edmonds were to not re-sign with the Buffalo Bills, which I still think he will because they do love him. If he were to not re-sign with the Buffalo Bills, then we have this in the back of our pockets. We have this in the, well, they've been training Terrell Bernard to potentially take over, which means the narrative at that point when Tremaine Edmonds leaves in this hypothetical situation is not, what are we going to do? We got to draft a mic. Instead, it's, can Terrell Bernard be the mic? Those are very different queries. They're very different responses. And I think Brandon Bean saying that matters a lot. So there's two things that were said this week by members of Buffalo Bills hierarchy, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, 
that qualify as outliers for me that I think are worth noting. And we just noted both of them. And there we have it. We noted all the things. I told you it was going to be weird. It was going to be bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce and bounce between a bunch of different stuff. And we did it. We did all the things. I am going to go gargle with salt water again and try not to speak too much for fear that I'm going to hurt myself further in the process. And, well, I guess that's just the way the cookie crumbles. I'm Bruce Nolan, Buffalo Rumblings. Buffalo Rumblings.